0: Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash.
1: And I'm Karen Moscow. This update's brought to you by National Realty. 30% returns on cash and rented real estate. Find them at nria.net. Stocks are slipping, unwinding some of the March rebound that had the MSCI All Country World Index on the brink of erasing its losses for 2016. U.S. Stock Index futures, they were lower for much of the morning. They are now little changed. Dowie Mini Futures up seven, and the DAX in Germany is down half percent. Ten-year Treasury up two thirty seconds. The yield 1.81 percent. Yield on the two-year .7 Four percent. Nymex crude oil also a little change. Now it's up three cents to 38.36 a barrel. Comex gold up a tenth percent or ten dollars to 12.3860 an ounce. The euro at a dollar 13.77. The yen won 12.30. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Barry.
2: Karen, uh, thanks so much. Barry Rinold. Tom Keane, getting you to the end of the quarter. Jobs Day tomorrow. Uh, Bill, uh, Bill Gross. And Jim Glassman will join us right now with a wonderful update entitled Tug of War. A.J. Rajadaks with Barclays. Wonderful to have you here. um, A.J., this week one of the big changes is in the five-year, five-year forward, looking out five years and another five years out on where inflation will be. And deflation roared back this week. Um, It's so far removed from 2013. Is this a structural
3: change towards low inflation? In parts of the world, yes. Uh, Europe and Japan have struggled for a while, as you know, with getting their inflation numbers up. You mentioned the five-year, five-year. In Japan, it is basically forecasting zero inflation for Japan forever, for all time to come, which you know is, is, is just a difficult thing to envisage. Actually Barry's got not.
2: investments of that duration. <laughs> there you are. So
4: you, you just have to go to Japan uh, yen hedged, and you're fine.
2: I don't know. Tell me about disinflation now. Is it structural? Or do you have have some hope for Janet Yellen's long term?
3: So take the United States, for example. There we do think that inflation, uh, it's picked up uh, over the last few months, as you know, in the actual spot numbers. And we think that it'll keep uh, at least at these levels for the rest of the year. But. There is no getting away from the fact that in 2004 to 2006, when the last hiking cycle started, right in the two years before the last hiking cycle started, services inflation in the United States averaged 3%. Now it's averaging closer to 2%. So this is not just a good story associated with a stronger dollar and weak commodity prices.
4: So when we look at actual inflation in the United States, you really put your finger on it. It's not necessarily goods and commodities. It's services. It's healthcare. It's education. Right. It's things like that. Can the Fed risk getting behind the curve if that's where the inflation lay, and food and housing and energy are very much—I uh, hate to use the word—contained, but really modest levels of inflation there.
3: So. Uh, If you look at what the Fed chair is saying, it almost seems like she wants to be behind the curve, right? So one argument for why the Fed could conceivably stay stay behind the curve if inflation next year was averaging closer to 2.5%, say, is because what they have is a symmetric – they're supposed to average 2% on inflation. So there have been years and years and years where you are below 2%, so it's not the end of the world if you're above for some time and still remain So.
4: If we saw inflation levels in 2017 in the United States at 2.5%, wouldn't that be an enormous victory for the Federal Reserve? Haven't they been trying to get... Inflation higher?
3: No no question about it. Uh, It is difficult to see that necessarily playing out, the 2.5% for core inflation, core PC, the metric that the Fed Fed tends to use. But if that were the case, then I think the Fed would actually be more pleased than worried about about being behind the curve.
2: Who's winning the tug of war? I'm not saying they're done, the rope's pulled. But there's always when you watch the tug of war, that vector, that little bit. This who's winning right now?
3: I think ultimately over the next six to nine months, it'll actually be the the risk bears, if you will, right? People who expect risk assets to go down, who will win out because the passage of time here doesn't help. Tom, last year, okay. let me translate yeah. that: the punch bowl is going to get a little empty. I think that is exactly correct. You know, the passage of time gets you closer to a point where central bank policy turns a little less accommodative or at least helps less than it used to.
2: Critically, critical question, Barry. This goes to the derivatives. Can we manage it in a gradual sense, or have we learned that what you predict is a jump condition involving a lot of market pain?
3: Um, I think for the next uh, for the rest of 2016, we will be able to manage it. But – all markets have recency bias, Tom. You know. So yeah. what I mean by that is, you know, if you were someone who's not followed the U.S. labor market for the last two or three years, you come in, you're looking at an unemployment rate of 4.8 percent. You wouldn't be that surprised if wages suddenly started to jump yeah. more quickly. And if that happens, then I think markets. Are in, in
4: fact, that seems to be part of the plan. Hey, we now have, you know, if you say we have full employment, there'll be a lot of pushback because so many people are underemployed. Mm-hmm. But when we see the likes of Walmart and McDonald's raising their minimum wage, it's telling you they're having a f- hard time finding <clears throat> workers to, to fill their position.
3: That's right. And at some point it should translate at an aggregate level, at an economy-wide level and sort of just you know. That's big- been very slow though, hasn't it? It absolutely has been. One of the puzzles, one of the reasons it's been mm-hmm. slow is because of how low how little productivity there has been in the U.S. economy. But even then, you know, beyond a certain point, you should start to see wages turn higher and a little more quickly. I think. Frame, frame the two-year or the 10-year, I'll let you choose, mm-hmm. from here to there. Where's the new there? So uh, the new there is the Federal Reserve at some point starting to hike or continue its hiking cycle. So what's the
2: 10-year do? 1.81 but right now?
3: It, the 10-year does nothing. The 10-year ends 2016, we think, at 2%, because what matters is not just whether the Fed starts to hike, but where it stops. And critically, we think that stop is much, much, much lower than it has been what in the past. What you just heard there, folks, is obviously critical. Quicklier than what's the two-year do? The two-year, I think, will probably move close to 1% by the end of uh, this year. And, you know, we are, in to some extent, starting to be conditioned by – how dovish the mm-hmm. U.S. Fed chair is for the rest of the year. So if you have one or two hikes, then it's hard to see twos selling off a lot more.
2: A.J. Rajadux, thank you so much uh, with Barclays. He's going to come back with us uh, here and continue this discussion. The, the litmus paper, if you will, of fixed income into his tug-of-war. Barclays out with an important recalibration as they look into the second quarter of this year. The 10-year yield, 1.82%. Two-year yield is, is a lower yield to four digits point. Point seven four eight seven currency markets churn here. I would point out oil, as Bob Cinch mentioned, well worth watching. 38.34 in Brent under 40. 39.73. Barry Ritholtz and Tom Keene. A Thursday before Jobs Day. Bloomberg surveillance.
5: surveillance brought to you by flushing bank open a complete business checking account with fifteen thousand dollars or more get a free 16 gig wi-fi tablet visit flushingbank.com for details member fdic equal housing lender
0: Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991; to Boston, Bloomberg 1200, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. 7.30 on
5: Wall Street. Good morning. I'm John Tucker, two hours away from the opening bell, and let's get you updated on the news you need to know. Uh, Last day of the first quarter, dollar headed for its biggest quarterly decline in five years. Treasuries have returned 2.9% this year. In fact, bonds worldwide are set uh, to kick off the best annual start since at least 1996. The British economy ending 2015 with more momentum than previously estimated. GDP rising six-tenths of a percent in the fourth quarter instead of the five-tenths of a percent previously estimated. Standard & Poor's has cut the outlook for China's credit rating to negative from stable, saying the nation's economic rebalancing is likely to proceed more slowly than the ratings firm had expected. 731 on Wall Street. And that's time for news from around the world. Let's get the update this morning from Bloomberg's Michael Barr.
6: John, thank you very much. The lawyer for Salah Abdeslam, a prime suspect in the November 13th Paris attack, says his client is ready to leave a prison in Belgium and fly to Paris, where he is willing to cooperate with officials. Abdeslam was captured March 18th in Belgium. He fled the day after the Paris attacks. Brussels Airport will remain closed for passenger flights at least until this afternoon. Officials are trying to complete an evaluation of temporary repairs of the airport after last week's suicide bombing attack. President Obama will huddle with Asian leaders on North Korea today. The nuclear summit will try to seek ways to put more pressure on North Korea. The summit in Washington will also try to smooth over tensions with China over cybersecurity and maritime disputes. President Obama will meet with China's President Xi Jinping on the sidelines. South Africa's top court says President Jacob Zuma has failed to respect the Constitution. The court says Zuma failed to act on the National Ombudsman order that he repay taxpayer money spent on upgrading his private home. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. I'm Michael Barr. John?
5: All right, thanks, Michael. 732 on Wall Street now with a Bloomberg NBC Sports Update. Here's John Stashower.
0: Thanks, John. Yankees thought they had the deepest bullpen in baseball, but our oldest Chapman will be suspended the first 30 games in now. Andrew Miller headed for the disabled list. His only pitch yesterday was a line drive that caught his bare wrist on his glove hand. X rays were negative, but later a CT scan revealed a chip fracture. He's headed to a hand specialist. No word on just how long Miller will be out. Yanks still have Dell and Batances, but now no proven setup relievers. They just shut out the Braves 2 0. Six scoreless for Yvonne Nova, who's battling CC Sabathia for the last spot in the rotation. Another loss for the Mets. Washington won 12 1. Mets winless in their last. 13 spring training games they have left Florida. They'll play the Cubs tonight in Las Vegas. In Dallas, Knicks took the lead in the fourth quarter, but fell to the Mavs, 91-89. to Carmelo Anthony scored 31 in the loss. Christophs Porzingis didn't play. Injured shoulder. Golden State won an overtime at Utah. Warriors now 68-7. and If they win five of their last seven, it's the best regular season ever. With Bloomberg NBC Sports Update, I'm John Stasch.
5: Hi, thanks, John. And ahead of the market, open on Wall Street. We have uh, futures right now, I'd say they're pretty much flat, uh, S&P unchanged, the Dow futures up uh, just eight points. That's also, I'm going to call that unchanged, the Nasdaq futures unchanged. As we look at currencies uh, right now, Bob sent uh, a little earlier, uh, saying the dollar is going to weaken right now, uh, euro dollar 113.86. The yen at 112.28. The 10-year yield uh, right, now, a ten-year note, that is, uh, right now, the 10-year note, that is right now the 10-year is up uh, just a fraction. 7.39 on Wall Street. Time now for the Bloomberg NJIT STEM Report being brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology. Investing more than $110 million a year in applied research to solve problems and improve life. Learn more at storiesofinnovation.njit.edu. Here's Bob Moon.
7: John, thank you. Here's what's making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. Ice covered the smallest extent of ocean in the Arctic for a second year in a row this winter after what one scientist calls crazy warm temperatures that stopped large areas of sea from freezing over. At this rate, the National Snow and Ice Data Center at the University of Colorado in Boulder says the Arctic could see ice-free summers in less than 15 years. Google objects to Oracle's bid for $8.8 billion in damages in their court battle over the Java programming language that's set to go to a jury in May. In its five-and-a-half-year-old lawsuit, Oracle alleges Google's Android system infringed on copyrights for Java software. Oracle's basing its damaged demand on how much the search engine company has earned from its mobile operating system. Google's accused of using Java without paying for it because the Internet giant was in a rush to create Android, now the world's most popular. Popular smartphone platform. And video games, are they lines of software or works of art? You can probably guess where the World Video Game Hall of Fame comes down on that question. Among the games on its second annual list of finalists Minecraft, Space Invaders, Sonic the Hedgehog, Tomb Raiders, and John Madden Football. The winners will be inducted May 5th in Rochester, where the hall opened last year. Last year's inaugural inductees include Pong, Pac Man, Tetris, Doom, and and Super Mario Brothers. And that's this morning's Bloomberg and STEM Report. Sounds like your day, John Tucker.
5: Who accepts on behalf of Pac Man? <laughs> <Good> uh, <question. laughs> thanks, Bob Moon. Seven thirty-six on Wall Street. That would be
4: Mrs. Pac-Man.
5: Miss, I suppose so. Uh who's deserving of an award herself? That's right. You're listening to Bloomberg's surveillance on Bloomberg Radio, Barry the in for Michael McKee this week, along with uh, Tom Keane. Good morning, Barry. Good morning. Uh we're having a, a
4: lot of fun this morning looking at the futures turning green from deeply negative. Here we are starting the quarter tomorrow and markets are uh back to break even, which is which is quite a recovery. And we have a perfect guest to discuss this with. I have A. J. Rajadox. He is the head of research at Barclay and um Barclays, and we were discussing earlier something that I was reading in your quarterly Outlook Mm -hmm. about China. Yep. How is China doing these days?
3: So this is an economy that is still growing impressively by international standards, but not so much by their standards. It is also an economy which is adding new leverage from an already extended base at a frenetic pace and by their standards, generating ever slower growth. Now,
4: so, hold, yeah. let let's come back to the credit in about two minutes. Sure. Let's just talk about their economic growth. We look back last decade or even just a few years ago, China was growing at a double-digit rate, if we right. believe their own data. Whatever the numbers are, they were really robust growth uh, for a very large co- country. Now they seem to have run into a problem with the law of big numbers. That's correct. What What's the growth rate of
3: China these days? So I think uh, too much attention gets paid to their official growth numbers, especially their real growth numbers. So mm-hmm. last year, if you look at the real GDP numbers, it was 6.9%, right? And they've slowed from 10% a few years ago, like you said. The more important thing in my mind, Barry, is nominal GDP. Four years ago, China's nominal GDP was 20%. Last year, it was 6%. That's a much, much bigger deal, and the world lives in nominal terms. You have a big debt debt base. You need to service that with nominal growth, nominal earnings, and that is where they will start to struggle in the years. to come.
4: So let's talk about China's debt. The U.S. just came out of a giant subprime debt crisis. We were probably south of a trillion dollars in in annual debt production for a country with – a sixteen trillion dollar GDP. What is the debt service? What does the total debt look like?
3: in China. So, take the banking system, which is where the vast majority of debt has accumulated, right? So, the banking system, if you include the shadow banking system, assume that that comes back on banking system books, at the end of 2008, it was $10 trillion. Now it is closer to 30. So, you... 3-0. out trillion. That dollars. is correct. You tr- Twice, two years
4: U.S. GDP worth of debt, just about. That is
3: correct. For an economy, which is about $10 trillion in, in, in GDP. How on earth is China ever going to service that massive debt? So, they have two giant advantages. The first is that the vast majority of this debt is local currency, right? Emerging markets, whether it be banking systems or sovereigns, do not get into trouble because debt to GDP goes beyond a magic number. They get into trouble if they have dollar denominated debt because they don't have the ability to print dollars. They have
4: their own currency, they're not a slave to US dollars, so they don't run into the typical Latin America
3: debt. That is exactly correct. That's one advantage. The second is that even as corporates and Local governments and the banking sector has the banking sector has lent, and the corporates and local governments have taken on enormous amounts of um, enormous amounts of local currency debt. The consumer is the one part of the Chinese economy that is not levered by international standards. you know so the consumer basically stops spending on everything else as they were buying large amounts of real estate during the property boom. And that was one of the reasons why you had the missing Chinese consumer the last 10 to 15 years. That was one of the reasons why China's trade surpluses exploded the way they did. So they have some cushion there.
4: Fascinating, fascinating stuff. And I would expect that we're going to see more and learn more about the Chinese debt explosion relative to the rest of the world. Um, what's going on, Tucker? Take us out of here.
5: Uh, I'm going to say futures are pretty much flat for the equity futures. Uh, no change uh, across the board right now with the S&P, Dow, and NASDAQ e-minis. Uh, Euro Euro 113.84, the 10-year yield, uh, forty one more reactive two-year yield, at .7487. And you're listening to Bloomberg Surveillance with Barry Ritholtz and Tom Keene, right here on Bloomberg Radio. Surveillance brought to you by Ancient Block and Ancient named the best accounting firm in North America for the sixth year in a row by Hedgeweek.com.